Hey everybody, I'm Micah Rich. And I'm Olivia Kane. Welcome back to the Weekly Typographic. A podcast where we discuss our favorite type and design links from the week. Hello. Olivia, hi. Hi. It has been a crazy week. Yeah, let's hear about it. Well, there's just, there's a ton of stuff going on. Uh, we, well, we were talking right before this, right? And uh, the league currently is like doing newsletter every week, podcast every week. Uh, we're doing the course every week. I've been working on updating the site. It's we, crazy. We launched, we relaunched the manifesto last Ugh, week. Beautiful. Everyone needs to go take a look. I'm super excited about that. It came out. It came out. I know. Way better than I thought that it would. I I mean, honestly, you know, I say we made this manifesto, right? Like I I basically uh after we recorded the podcast last week, I stayed up till 4 a.m. and just Of course. <laughs> re- of rewrote course. things. <laughs> uh and it was super fun. Yeah, but it's beautiful. It's in a wonderful yellow color. It just is going to bring sunshine to your eyes and heart and soul. <laughs> I love that yellow. It's a great yellow. It's such a good yellow. Um, so I'm so excited that that's up. Like we are just we're just progressing miles at a time. And it our feels, newsletter it feels so good. Audience is bigger. I know. Oh yeah, we've gotten a lot of people interested in the newsletter. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was I have kind of analytics for the podcast too, which we talk about every once in a while. Oh yeah. But um, the subscribers are only going up. Like so we good. have, I think, 241 subscribers at the moment. Wow. It's crazy, right? And like Thanks, everyone. And like 2,500 people listening. It's nuts. Oh, my God. It's so cool. Thank you. So exciting. Type nerds unite. Wow. Yeah, seriously. And we have some good super nerdy stuff this week to share. And I'm so excited. Um, I was telling Micah I was like very overwhelmed by the amount of type and design news that came out this week. Because our channel in Slack was just like every day there was like three new links. It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was it was cool. There's a lot of I cool do, stuff. Right. I do some major editing. Like we had a whole pocket guide to icons, which we're gonna talk about, but then you posted all those um Edward Gorey book covers that just had beautiful lettering. Yeah. And like I don't know how much our listeners like wanted to actually see that, but I mean just it like was, we had the was range just like of everything. A cool random collection of old book covers and it was just I just love like the handwritten. Oh, I know. Uh, it was great. And so oh, we do have to mention too, uh I made a mistake editing last week and we linked to the wrong article for that uh type guide. Mm-hmm. So we're going to relink that this week, or at least just mention it so that people can have the right link. Oh, we're we're relinking. I oh, have it ready. Oh, <laughs> cool. That's great. Because that was just such a cool one and a lot of people wanted to see it. So yeah, no, definitely we're relinking um, so everyone can enjoy it as cool. much as we did. All good stuff. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Oh, so cool. So I wanted to start out this week. Um, I kind of organized the links in a way because I was once again very overwhelmed and tried to find like an overall theme, which there kind of was. Mm. So I'm starting from like the kind of like crazy cool, um, more like unusual stuff and then we're gonna kind of hone into the practical wonderful like pocket guide sort of situations i dig it bear with me this is the first time i'm trying out like a very order orderly podcast link (laughs) i love that 
<laughs> All right. Um, so the first one you found, uh, and I thought it was super cool. I didn't get around to reading the um, link until yesterday, but when I did, I was like, this is going to be first for the podcast because it's so cool. It is just, it's super weird. And I love yes. it. And weird in such a great way, just like out of the box thinking. Out of the box and actually like a really interesting application for a variable font use. Yeah. Um, which so is something this is we've... a variable font that we found on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that is yeah. so weird that we are talking about here is that uh, it is described as a sound sensitive typeface. Yeah. And so the the variableness in this font is like crazy waves in the letters that at least on on the web like the implementation the implementation that they have responds to sound by changing mm-hmm. the waves so like straight lines become curvy and angular and crazy. Yeah, basically your a lot of the crossbars start wiggling and vibrating, if you can imagine that. Um, the top of the T, the middle of the E, um, the bottom horizontals of the L, basically the horizontal and the A, too, um, which makes for like a really funky good time. But it doesn't go too crazy because it's actually used for a wayfinding um, system, which I think is really interesting. I've just... I, this is the first time I've heard of variable fonts being used in wayfinding, first of all, instead of just being used as like a funky, fun web thing. Hmm. I think that's super interesting. And they give like examples of directional signage for gallery and elevator and reception. Just It just really got me thinking because I make a lot of directional signage at work, too. And just like this is just the first of its kind. And I'm really into it. So uh, I was honestly a little confused. I don't have a ton of background on on how this font came to be? Yeah, so it was designed um, in collaboration with the Nippon Design Center of Japan, um, and it's for a Chinese audio tech company called Gore-Tec, and it's for an R&D hub, which I think is just an audio-speak sort of vocab term, because I looked it up and I couldn't even find what R&D meant. Oh, um, well, I know at least that much is research and development. Ah. Uh, Thank God you're here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's and that, you know, like that that is a term that a lot of companies use just to like house their experiments that might turn into like useful products down the road or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's what it was made for, which is pretty cool. I I mean, one of the not first things I saw, well, you know, the first thing is how crazy and neat this is, but I have to say I looked at that W. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that sure looks like railway." I'm sure you did. <laughs> and <laughs> all right, guilty. I love railway. I love seeing people use railway. Uh, but I also found uh, a GitHub repository mm-hmm. uh, for a font named Contrapunct, mm-hmm. which it's a pretty unique name. <laughs> uh. And so I'm honestly kind of confused. I, you know, I kind of want to research, like I want to download the, uh, the repository on GitHub and see if it is the same font or not. But so I actually Googled ContraPunct font on Google. Oh. <laughs> this is when I was trying to figure out what R and D meant. Okay, great. 
But on my search, there's actually a different font called Contrabunked, spelled the same way. Okay, so I'm not crazy. I was like, I I can't tell if this is it or not. I think maybe it's not, but... But what I'm interested in is when you look at this microsite, um, and you look at their type specimen all the way at the bottom, when they just show you the letters, like, you know, straight up, there's no W in the uppercase characters. Wait, what? Do you know what that's about? Oh my go goodness! Wait, yeah, I'm I 100 missed that because you kept on talking about the W, and I'm like, hmm, let me see this capital W. It <laughs> doesn't exist, huh? Well, I mean, that might just be a typo in the spec. I don't know. Well, no, okay. If you go to the middle of the page and it says "Explore the Alphabet," there is a oh, capital that's W. That's true. Okay, interesting. So, I think but it was just really- a mistake. They forgot one of their like most distinctive characters. Yeah, that is funny. Well, but yeah. what a neat idea! Cool. Yeah, I mean, overall, very cool, very impressed, and it's a really beautiful segue into the next thing. I just want to mention. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I want to mention it because a lot of people are really reacting to the design that I think is really well done. Um, it's an article from New York Times Magazine that came out in the physical New York Times magazine last Sunday. Um, The reason I know about it is because I stole the magazine from my aunt's apartment um, (laughs) because all the photographs are by Ryan McGinley, who I'm a pretty big fan of. And um, then, second to that, the typography and lettering is just super cool, really free, really young. Um, I just think it's interesting in seeing how people are trying to describe music with typography mm-hmm. the same way that contrapunct is kind of trying to, you know, describe sonic waves in a more literal way. And this is like a more expressive way um, that I just think is like a great example to kind of give to the world as how to kind of break those boundaries a little bit. The person that lettered it, um, Ben Granginet, he's the deputy art director for the New York times magazine. Huh. Um, I'm a huge fan of the design director for the New York times magazine, Gail Bickler, who's only been there for nearly, I think, like, it couldn't be more than one or two years and already is making, like, crazy wild editorial choices that's, like, really making this magazine stand out more so than ever has. But um, I just think the website is just as well designed and so enticing with this, like, dynamic, you know, crayon-like lettering for a very sophisticated publication. I just think it's... It was really eye-opening for me to kind of see them trying out and experimenting new things and, you know, kind of tying together, like, 20 different genres of music. There's, like, rap, just pure pop. There's K-pop. Um, there's everything in there. And I think it's kind of beautiful that they use typography to kind of tie it all together. You know what this feels like? Is It, it yes. feels like uh, in art school when, mm-hmm. you know, they would give you some prompt and almost in like foundation year where they would give you some like very normal prompt and then mm-hmm. you'd come back with a design and then they'd be like, rip it up, like go crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the yes. contrast here of craziness with like sophisticated New York Times-ness makes yeah. this so successful. So successful. Oh my, I'm so glad you feel that way. Cause I mean, none of these type in the display type, they're forgetting all of the rules that you have learned for lettering or type design. I mean, the tracking's really like 
tracking's funky. <laughs> it's all these justified lines that don't have enough words to fill it out. So there's just like rivers going down <laughs> these subheads. But um, it just like really works and is just like strangely poetic in a way. And I yeah. really need really need to get that out in the world. Yeah, poetic is a good word. I love it. This was a great um, find so- too. Thanks. I didn't want to spend too much time on it. People read it if they'd like. Um, But it's also a wonderful segue. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the segues this week. Um, Into the next article that you also posted that I really highly enjoyed. Um, It's about typography without being very directly about typography. um, Called Rethinking Reading on the Web. And as, you know, a more webby person than me, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so I guess the background with this article, it's it's almost like a case study. Uh, and this company, Marvel App, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, sort of a, uh, like a prototyping tool, mm-hmm. you know, and it's made by designers. So I think they collaborated with The Atlantic to make these, like, really interactive, uh, data-heavy articles. Mm-hmm. And... I, the thing that I love about this case study of it is that they start all the way at the beginning. They're like, you know, we thought about it and we went back to what reading was on the web in the 90s. And they have these yeah. screenshots of, you know, web pages that I grew up on, basically, you know, yeah. where it was just text. And, you know, nobody was even thinking about design to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they referenced storytelling and the thing, the thing that I found so intriguing was them describing, uh, how to bring, uh, the subtitle here is a cinematic approach. That's a well put thing. It's, they describe it as an interactive narrative that flows alongside the copy. Mm-hmm. And you made a point that you like clicked through this case study into the web page hosted on the Atlantic and actually like played with it. And mm-hmm. it is so smooth and interactive and dynamic and mm-hmm. not the kind of thing that feels like an article on a blog. Yeah. It feels this like uh, immersive fluid. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I'm. it just doesn't feel like an article and moreover, it doesn't feel like an article about public health, I think, is what the actual yeah, content that's a good is. Point. Um, which is just really impressive that they are able to make it engaging. And I know one of their goals was to make it engaging for both health professionals and the public in general. I think they really landed in a great place where they can do that um, and make you want to keep on reading. I think, like, the fact that you scroll once, you want to keep on scrolling and let the story tell itself. Um, and I think that's just really important. And I think it's a way to get people to read, which is a simple concept, but kind of amazing. I have to say, uh, now that now that you're saying that specifically, mm-hmm. I am. It's it's a fine line. It's tough because they are using these really interesting, unique uh, animations to Mm -hmm. make it interactive and visual. Mm -hmm. And now that you say that it, it actually made me focus less on the content on the reading. Yeah. 
Which I I hate I to hate admit that. because I I only want to compliment this. Like I think it is gorgeous and very That's a well legitimate done. concern. But it kind of is, right? Yeah. Um, it's like they're using interesting animations and illust- and and very cinematic illustrations to describe what is in the text. But I'm so enamored with scrolling and seeing what happens when I interact with it that I'm like yeah. not really paying that much attention to what it's saying, which is that's unfortunate. A, that's the thing, and that's very valid. And I completely like understand where you're coming from i flipped through it honestly um just to kind of see how it looked visually i'm was not planning on reading the full thing but (laughs) i mean hey hey maybe i'm also a victim of this (laughs) that's interesting something i found really interesting with that new york times magazine article is that it felt very different because i actually had the print magazine and the print magazine you're opening spreads and there's like images constantly at you you know one page is an image and the next page is text, um, but actually during that article when you're reading it online, most of it, you're never competing the image with the text. Mm. Um, and so it's just interesting. They're both like very highly designed articles and they're also very different about different things. But yeah. um, hey, that's, that's very valid. I didn't even think about that, but I'm going to be considering this. I mean, no matter what, you know, the the case study here is really interesting because it is one of those things that we always love where you get to hear the real thought behind why they did stuff. Yeah. And that, I think, is such an interesting take on how they approached designing mm-hmm. the thing. For sure. That's and a thousand percent worth it. Yeah. Even, yeah, going to the case study. Definitely. So that's a fun one. Yeah. Um, the next one was recommended by one of your students, right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, this was someone who responded um, to an email with oh. our wonderful cheat sheet that we send out in our in the newsletter. When you sign up for the newsletter and say that you're interested in uh, design or type design, we have this cheat sheet that you know you get as a nice, helpful freebie. Um, so nice. And frankly, I made it long ago and would love to redo it. And so I was talking, you know, someone emailed saying, uh, hey, you know, this is a great resource. I love I love that you sent this. Here is another great resource uh, mm-hmm. with tons of detail about stuff that isn't even, you know, intended to be in that cheat sheet. But isn't this cool? Check this out. Um, and I had never seen this before. I get the impression that this is not a new site. This is Ellen Lupton's. Uh, site, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ellen Lupton is a very well-known uh, writer, designer, you know, made Thinking with Type, which is like a handbook for design schools all over. Mm-hmm. And she made this awesome one-pager that describes anatomy and uh, hierarchy and uh, type classifications and how to mix typefaces, all kinds of great stuff that everybody always wants to learn about in the beginning wait micah yeah fun facts okay this is a direct digital translation um from thinking with type actually direct oh yeah these images like i could pull out my thinking with type it's on my bookshelf right now like this is her chapter this is her chapter letter and then you can go through all them there's all the chapters or sections are letter text grid extras and everything in that book is right here in front of us right now wow i haven't looked at that book in a very long time 
I look at that book too often, to be honest. That's great. But that's the reason I know that this is all like a treasure trove of information. Why I had to share it. That's so cool. I, mean, I didn't this, know this existed. This is absolutely a treasure trove. It is just full of awesome stuff. And like that's that book, if no one's familiar with it, like that's the Bible of learning typography. I still reference it a lot when I forget some of my rules. Um, but so if you're not familiar with it, like this is a very like amazing resource resource that's, you know, I don't know, endorsed by every typography teacher <laughs> in the world. Um, but yeah, it, I realize I was, now I, you know, I think I clicked around in a few sections and not every section, to be fair. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just found this section describing, you know, the intention of why this exists. Oh, and yeah? there's a section called Tools for Teachers, Note to Teachers. This was a site designed as a classroom companion to the book Thinking with Type. Included here, and then there's a bunch of links under this section, are lectures, project ideas, handouts, and more to use for teaching. And there's like a syllabus, there's like exercises, PDFs of lectures and demos. I can't believe I didn't see all this before. This is amazing. And obviously a link to buy the book on Amazon, which is a great book. Yeah, I'm just surprised that I've never come across this. This was this was. It looks like copyright was 2009. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh, I I started design classes in 2013. Why didn't I know about this? <laughs> I don't know, but this is great. Yeah, how cool! Oh, so good. And I, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a site map, and that will kind of bring you to all the like very specific categories of text and grids and letters um, just in case you're looking for a very specific request. Yeah. This is awesome. This is like, I didn't even realize what a great resource this was. I thought it was a great resource and it's like a great resource. Capital G great resource. (laughs) Um, I'm definitely going to keep this on my bookmarks bar. (laughs) (laughs) I also love that we found out live as we're talking. Oh, wow. This is so wonderful. (laughs) It's just like the gift that keeps on giving. All the keys. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Um, The next one is also one that I found. This one on Twitter. mm Because Twitter. Mm -hmm. And we have mentioned in the past, the the title is (laughs) Hopefully the Ultimate Guide to a Flat Icon Set. I thought that was you chatting in the chat room when you posted that. And then I was like, no, that's just the art, the title article. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the the I think we linked to this guy's previous article on, on optical effects and user interfaces a few weeks ago. Oh, did we? I'm pretty sure we did. Um, I'm all about optical effects and grids. I feel like that's something I'm constantly like can improve on that's the thing that just comes up every time i do anything right right you can't design without having to deal with just like having your eye be good at understanding optically what is center yeah and what is not and adjusting even if it's not centered right yeah and honestly like he says something at the beginning um minimum words maximum gifts and for an article (laughs) like this so helpful yeah so wonderful that's funny actually i was joking the other day in describing my development process when i'm like making a new feature on the software that i design Mm -hmm. and i always joke that i use gif driven development (laughs) 
Whereas, you know, like you make a gif of what you wanted to do and then you're like, oh, it does it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. But um, we have talked I, at least in the past, you know, I, I loved his previous article. I thought it was very visual and uh, practical. And so mm-hmm. when I saw this article, I was also excited. And we have talked in the past, too, about how uh, icon design is very similar to typeface design. Oh, yes. And this goes into bunches of detail about icon design. And I'm looking through and I'm like, this is like the same uh theory and like uh way that we describe in our class talking about yes. how to approach making characters and how to make them cohesive and how to reuse pieces of it and come up with rules it's oh, beautiful yeah. 1000% so uh even though you know i don't know how many actual icon designers are out there listening and reading but uh, it's one of those things too, where like you know maybe you've always wanted to make an icon family, but it seems overwhelming or something. And it's interesting to, or at least I, I think it's like a little bit empowering to feel like the same things that I learn daily in working on whatever type of design I'm doing apply to almost every other category of design. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like this wonderful cycle that you make and it always comes back to like the same like ideas and the same elements that really taught you in the first place no matter across web and print which i feel like we like talking about yeah it just makes me feel like if i want to i have the ability to learn how to do anything yes (laughs) absolutely (laughs) anything i love it um (laughs) Yeah, well, when you were talking about icons, I was thinking, you know, just a few weeks ago, we posted that um, call for open source emoji families. Read this article. Maybe you'll be inspired to make an emoji set. Right? Yeah, that's a good reference. I frankly forgot about that, but it's good to be reminded. (laughs) All good stuff. All great, inspiring things. Um, So, yeah, take a look at that. Lots of fun tips, like super digestible. Um, just definitely wanted to share that for this week. Um, and last but not least, maybe I'll oh, have geez. you talk about this last one. Oh, jeez. Start us off. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I will I will try to describe the thing and also why we're making jokes about me having to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, from what I read on the internet, this was – this next one was announced uh, at – Robothon, some conference from Robofont. Got it. Do you know anything about that? No. Yeah, me neither. Okay. Um, it, there was some <laughs> there was some typography conference that happened in the past week, and this was announced for the first time there. Type dot world. Um, I'll just read the intro and then we can talk about it. Type dot world is in the process of becoming an open source one click font installation app. Uh, so there's some illustrations that make this super clear uh, how it works. You know, they show a random website, awesomefonts.com, and there's a button saying install in type.world app. Uh, and then it shows, you know, a mock up of an app with a bunch of fonts in it. And lastly, it shows your computer 
with that app running and a notification in the top right saying two font updates ready to install. So I feel like those three things kind of give you the basis for what they're trying to do with the whole thing, mm-hmm. which is to make a font manager where mm-hmm. anybody can put a button on a web page to install your font mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, a font foundry's font and more interestingly, keep those up to date. Yes. I think the update thing is kind of like very, we're in 2018. This yeah. is what typography is. Yeah. There's updates happening all the time. Um, you, but we kind of all live on a download, download based font system. And to compare this to um, this app would be an alternative to like font book. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the thing that is interesting is it comes along with a whole section for developers uh, to be able to interact with their app. One of the main points here is it's open source and they're not just defining an app. Uh, This might not mean that much, I guess, but they're, they're trying to define a protocol for downloading, installing and updating. Uh, and that just doesn't exist like at the moment and essentially all up up until this moment, uh, it's always been that you download a file, you put it in the correct folder on your computer Mm -hmm. and that's it Mm -hmm. there. I mean, there is no such thing as a font that updates. Yeah, exactly. You can only find out that they updated, re-download it and reinstall it. Yeah. So it'd be like streamlining a lot of, you know, heavy type users kind of process with downloading and kind of shaping it completely to a whole different ballgame. Yeah. And uh, by making this open source, the the point is that they are enabling uh, all types of foundries to do this for free. Which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it it takes some work to get it set up, but mm-hmm. uh, by by the process of it being free, it means that, like, why wouldn't you do this? Which means it benefits the people who are using it the most, which I think yes. is really cool. No, it's an awesome initiative. It's nonprofit um, projects. And hopefully I'll be seeing cool things. I don't know. Still very early. It is. It is. The, it is described as pre-alpha, which is as early as you can possibly get. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's only on Mac at the moment, though they intend to make it multi-platform. Yeah. So we're going to keep track of this and we'll keep you guys updated. But um, I just have to, I mean, I have to describe too, for people who have been with the league for a long time, <laughs> you <laughs> will remember, or you, I don't know if you'll remember, but it was important to me for many years. There were buttons on every page on the league's download site, uh, you know, on the, on the pages for the font saying install this font in letter case. Oh my God. Were there? Yeah. 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 Wow. And, uh, it was, <laughs> it was not even ever in beta because I only ever like tested a bare minimum version with, literal humans that i knew um yeah but it was it was 
it was totally this idea and I can't, you know, I'm happy that this idea exists and there was more to it, honestly, too, with letter case that, uh, I'm still really encouraged to build. And I'm, I love that this thing exists, but I can't help but be like, Oh man, that was totally what I wanted to do. No, but I, I mean, you have been telling me not to be discouraged, which is very thoughtful and I'm not discouraged. And, and what I think is really awesome is that, a, this means other people care about that same thing. Yes. Which is really important. One of the things that I've talked with a bajillion times with Tyler, Tyler Fink, mm-hmm. is how difficult it is uh, and sometimes even how frustrating, like, as a type designer to update a font, especially an open source font where you're, like, not getting paid to do it. Yeah. You're just doing it because you want people to have it and yeah. not be able to get that updated version in the hands of everybody who's using it. Yeah. No, I could see that's an issue. And so that. this this enables that, even if it's new um, and pre-alpha, you know, uh, <laughs> but also because it's nonprofit and open source, it, yeah. you know, like I, it, it has honestly reinvigorated my interest in, in Lettercase, and I really want—I have been wanting to revive Lettercase for a long time. And what I really want to do is like use this. I want to research the technology behind this, and maybe I can help. Yeah. And use the same format. And if everybody uses this format, it benefits everybody. It would be wonderful. I I would totally embrace this with open arms once it's available. <laughs> yeah. So. uh no matter what, this is a thing to follow because it's just interesting. And they, you know, they mentioned their Twitter. And I think, well, I, I even shouldn't really say they. It is, it is one person. Yes. Uh, gosh. Uh, Yanone? I'm sorry that's if that's say. wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. Y-A-N-O-N-E, if anyone yeah. wants to look them up. Uh, who is a type designer, artist, um he i have seen his work before and he is super talented yeah um and obviously interested in helping the open source world and so i'm really excited to follow this and see if i can help and maybe if uh maybe see you know how far we can take this awesome thing good stuff's coming it's still really early so you know letter case can still slide in there (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean the thing is the thing that in talking about this with you it made me realize like there doesn't need it letter case doesn't have to be a competitor to this thing it could benefit yeah. this thing that's and what I'm build thinking. on top of it and so yes. that's kind of exciting yes i know i know some of your plan through letter case and it's a little bit more complex and would actually like meet a lot more needs that are out there beyond just having something that um updates your fonts yeah but and you know what? Honestly, the thing, too, is when I first had the idea for Lettercase, which was probably 2010, I think, is when I launched the site like to collect emails and whatnot of people mm-hmm. who might be interested, uh, the technology was not there. Yeah. Like, the idea was there, but to build even a super basic prototype of something that is even remotely similar to what we're talking about today was, yeah. was so, so difficult. Yeah, and no, with I the tools that. that exist today, it's just not. I know, and that's really exciting. 
I think there's like a lot of cool things in store for fonts. After future fonts just got launched, I think yeah. a lot of just like font making in general is going to be viewed in a different way. And I think there's an exciting future ahead of us that I'm pumped to see. I love it. So, so that's all of like, our awesome links, I think, for the week. Yeah, I felt like that was a good note to end on. Yeah, very positive. Yeah, so it was a pleasure, as always, Micah. Thanks for hanging out, and thanks to all our listeners. And don't forget, we, at least in the last uh, four or five episodes, have been linking to the newsletter links that we're talking about here in the show notes for the podcast. So if you're listening and want to actually click on some of the links, they should be right there in your podcast app or on our website. So easy, so simple. And then you could just share the links with all your other friends and we could all just be a huge world of knowledge on Type News. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So thanks, Olivia. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.